And welcome to the spirit. I'm Beck. And I'm Steph. Hey, Steph. Hi, Beck. I'm tired today. Oh, I'm dragging. <laughs> I don't know if this is just a thing that happens as you get older or if everybody's dragging. <laughs> Everyone I know is fighting fatigue for some reason. We should just dive right in. Okay. This is from Prevention, a website called Prevention. A beautiful and rare white bison has been spotted in Missouri's Ozark Mountains. So have you ever heard of the white bison? I think there's a Native American history in that. So okay. it's very special, I think, to Native Americans when this happens. Right. I also think this would Jews like a, it's a Red Bull. Red Bull? Not, like, not that'll give drink. you wings. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's something like that means something to them, too. A surprising new guest has arrived at Dogwood Canyon Nature Park in Missouri's Ozark Mountains. A rare white bison calf named Dakota, a Sioux word meaning friend to everyone. He was born on a private ranch and came to live with the herd of bison currently roaming Dogwood Canyon earlier this year. Jeremy Henkel, director of wildlife at Dogwood Canyon, tells Prevention.com that a white bison's birth was once an exceptionally rare occurrence, with some estimates stating that only 1 in 10 million bison were born white. Because it's like a genetic defect, probably, or like a, an albino. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's, it happens to probably most animals. Right, and, including and humans, humans. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> However, you may now encounter one of these majestic creatures thanks to the work of conservationists. Though still rare, the phenomenon is more common due to crossbreeding with cattle as a result of attempts by ranchers to save the species from extinction. The original populations plummeted to only a few hundred between 1830 and 1900. So some may be asking, what the hell does this have to do with the paranormal? Okay, I'm getting to it. <laughs> okay. According to traditional Native American teachings spanning thousands of years, the white bison is a sacred animal that promotes prayerful communication between indigenous people and the Great Spirit, while also serving as a sign of peace and good fortune. So there's the supernatural aspect. Okay. Well, I'm going to jump right into another animal, and it's a Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> I've been watching lots of Bigfoot stuff lately. A lot. Bigfoot has been exploding, I think. Well, on YouTube, I don't know if these are old or not, but who's the Survivor Man guy? I don't know, but you can just call him Survivor Man. Okay, Survivor Man. I forget his name, but he's been doing a whole series dedicated to finding Bigfoot. And uh, he's had some interesting things. Nothing spectacular. Well, one of them, they heard a scream, but also could have been a coyote. Like, they have a very high-pitched scream. But even the people there and the Survivor Man guy, he goes, you could say it's similar to a coyote. He goes, but it's nothing I've ever heard. And he spends most of his time outdoors. Out in the wilderness, yeah. yeah. Well, Oklahoma Bigfoot bounty soars to over $2 million for the first to capture Sasquatch. An Oklahoma lawmaker's audacious idea to create a Sasquatch hunting season in the state has transformed into a literal Bigfoot bounty that promises over $2 million to the first person to capture the legendary creature alive. So you got to get that thing alive. There are tracking permits that you have to get to do this, and you're not allowed to kill or harm the creature. But if you do manage to capture the Squatch, according to Humphrey, he originally envisioned $25,000 prize for the creature, but it's ballooned up to 2.1 mil. <laughs> and that's because uh, local businesses have pledged towards it. 
So that's kind of interesting. The Squatch thing has been picking up, and I don't think anyone's going to ever capture them. I, I'm kind of thinking in the way of Native Americans that it's more of a spiritual being, but yet it manifests in physical ways. Like you'll hear strange noises in the woods, like the tearing down of trees and brush, rocks clacking together, wood, you know, it sounds like wood knocks and things like that. Yeah. But it seems like it's always so elusive. So to me, it seems like it's got to be a spiritual thing because they can't really nail it down. And I would think even though that there's always these theories, like with the gorillas in Africa, the silverback mountain gorillas, people really didn't believe they were there either. But now they know where they are. They've been able to record them and everything. But for the longest time, no one really believed the locals. Like, yeah, we're seeing these big. (laughs) So it could be that case, you know, that they're that hidden. But to me, it's just super unlikely because now we know where the gorillas are. Right. So I found this on a website called spiritualdirection.com, and it's a Catholic uh, website. The title of, of it is Exorcist Diary, Ugly But Blessed. A couple of days ago, I received an interesting text from one of our team members after she assisted in an exorcism session. She said she felt grace during the session. She texted, it was like being inside a warm house during a storm. Exorcisms are indeed stormy. The possessed often scream. Many of them vomit, so we now have a wastebasket with a plastic insert at the ready. I've read a book about exorcism and strange stuff comes out of the vomit, too, so it's really, really bizarre. Both of these screaming and vomiting are actually good signs. If the person screams during the session, it means that the prayers are very effective and the demons are screaming in pain as God's grace touches them. When the person begins to vomit, it is typically a sign that some of the demons are starting to leave. In the midst of all this ugliness, team members often tell me they walk out of a session feeling graced. Despite the ugliness, God's grace touches them in a quiet but palpable way. I must say it is the same for me. An exorcism is an ugly, ugly event. While I walk out of a session feeling drained, there's also a deep sense of God's peace. So I thought that was cool. I didn't really know that about exorcism, that the screams and the vomit are a good sign. (laughs) (laughs) I think it goes the same for food poisoning. Yeah. (laughs) Former nunnery with creepy ghostly nuns is for sale. And this is coming out of mysteriousuniverse.org. A former nunnery in Logan, Utah, that has long been rumored to be haunted, is currently for sale for $700,000. That's a nice low, low price. St. Anne's Retreat, also known as St. Anne's Nunnery. Have you ever spent time there, Steph? No. (laughs) Has a long history of ghost stories that includes pregnant nuns and even death. The 2.6-acre lot has 21 buildings and structures, two main lodges, six smaller cabins, a pool house, a playhouse, a generator house, and a swimming pool. I bet you wish you were at that one. It sounds beautiful, but the history that dates back to the early 1900s is rather dark. The property was owned by the Hatch family until they donated it to the Catholic Church in the 1950s, and then it was named St. Anne's Retreat, where nuns would spend their vacations. Oh, okay, so it was a vacation area. Okay. Then in the 1980s, it was turned into a youth camp until becoming a privately owned property in the early 1990s. The location made headlines back in 1997 when three security guards held trespassing teenagers at the bottom of the pool with shotguns pointed at them while they were restrained and tied by their necks. The hell kind of security guards are these? (laughs) There are several legends regarding the history of the nunnery. The stories include a pregnant nun, 
but the rest of the story has different variations as a, one version of the nun left the retreat to raise her baby. The other version stated that the child died and the nun drowned in the pool while attempting to escape. Ah, look at the picture of that nun. It's scary. It's not the real nun. No, no. <laughs> Another legend includes two nuns who were fighting and one of them pushed the other into the empty swimming pool where she died. The deceased nun allegedly haunted her killer by banging on her door during the night and laughing. When the killer nun would look outside, she would see the apparition of the dead nun with red glowing eyes. Another version of the story includes a man who attacked a nun and drowned her in the pool before attacking others. Some believe the tale that numerous nuns conducted their own abortions and buried the fetuses beneath the pool, which is why disembodied cries can sometimes be heard in that area. It's important to mention that none of these legends have ever been proven. There have been reports of a ghostly female, possibly a nun, wearing all black and wandering the grounds while others have witnessed the ghostly entity walking around with two Doberman pinchers with red glowing eyes. Oh There's even an alleged curse that if a firstborn son witnesses the ghostly nun, he will soon die. Additionally, paranormal activity includes people feeling sudden cold spots on the grounds, especially near the pool area. Those who have walked through the woods at night have heard disembodied sobs. Others have heard unexplained snarls and barks in addition to feeling like someone was watching them, especially along the riverbank. I think that any of that is possible because it's obviously happened before, but those stories are kind of like all over the place. But I'm going to guess that there's some level of truth to it. And, yeah, there's probably you know, an underlying... I bet yeah. you they do hear these things, but then they wildly go like, oh, there was a nun and she <laughs> had a baby and buried it under the bowl. I mean, come on. <laughs> Are you ready for another story? I'm always ready. Okay. This is coming from CBS News. A man says he was stunned to look out to sea from a village in Cornwall in southwest England, which I've been to Cornwall, so beautiful there, and see a giant ship seemingly suspended in midair over the water. It wasn't his eyes deceiving him, but a rare weather phenomenon that causes an optical illusion more often seen in the frigid Arctic. BBC News meteorologist David Brain explained that what David Morris had captured with his camera lens wasn't levitation, but a superior mirage caused by conditions more typical in the Arctic region than off the southern English coast. Superior mirages occur because of the weather condition known as a temperature inversion, where cold air lies close to the sea with warmer air above it. Since cold air is denser than warm air, it bends light towards the eyes of someone standing on the ground or on the coast, changing so basically, how distant object it's appears. It's a mirage. It's a mirage, but it looks so cool that you wouldn't think... You'd think you're seeing something... Oh, yeah, it looks like a floating ship. Yeah. Like it's uh, hoverboarding over the ocean. <laughs> yeah, but it looks it's real. It looks like it's really high It does. Above it it the looks... Ocean. I don't know. That it, looks like 30 feet up in the air. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's a pretty... I've never seen a mirage, have you? No. I've seen, like, when it's really hot, kind of like a silvery... Yes. Like, melty look... Off in the distance, as far as you can see down like a flat road, and then when you get to it, it disappears. Yeah, I've seen the heat coming off the pavement, which creates like the steamy look. Teen in Ghana stricken by magical ring. A teenager in Ghana nearly lost his finger after he put on a friend's purportedly magical ring and then found that the cursed object would not come off. Emmanuel Otabal, Otabil, was playing video games with a couple of companions and spotted the intriguing jewelry on a table. For reasons he can't explain, the young man immediately felt compelled to put the tempting piece on his finger. 
Alas, unbeknownst to him, the object was what is known in Ghana as a Sakawa ring, and it was made for spiritual practices, and as such, allegedly possessed some kind of supernatural characteristics. Odebel came to realize the curious properties of the ring when he woke up the following morning and felt sick. Attributing the illness to the odd ring, the young man attempted to remove it, but found that it was firmly stuck on his finger. My friend came and used a hacksaw blade and pliers, but was only able to cut part of it and the rest started entering my flesh. With the ring seemingly starting to consume the young man's finger, an understandable panic swept over the community as no one was able to figure out how to get the piece off, and the original owner of the object explained that only the blood of a newborn baby would allow for the jewelry to be removed. Of course. Fortunately, a spiritualist eventually arrived on the scene and solved the matter using unexplained some kind of sorcery. When Odebel recovered from his painful ordeal, his mother attempted to return the magical object to its original owner. However, as one might imagine, they were not too thrilled by the fact that their once pristine ring was badly damaged from the attempts at removing it from Odebel's finger, and as such, they demanded a new piece. Strangely enough, this is not the first case of a magical ring getting stuck on a young man's finger in Ghana, as an eerily similar incident unfolded there five years ago. Well... I would have told them, stop eating salty potato chips at night. Right. And I would have said, <laughs> squirt some dish soap on there. Don't just squirt some butter. <laughs> and so, <laughs> put some butter on that. But the blood of a newborn baby could work too. <laughs> yes. It, it's because it's extra slippery. I'm surprised it's not the blood of a newborn albino baby. Right. You're about the albinos in Africa, they get sacrificed because well, Probably they, oh, because they God. look strange. I don't feel bad for them. Yeah. I feel bad for any albinos in general. I mean, that's that's a hard knock life. There's so many different weird... I don't want to call it weird because it's a person, but I mean, there's so <laughs> many different problems, strange problems that people have to deal with. You know, we all have to deal with something. So I don't think anyone's just normal in this life. <laughs> nope. Magical amulet decoded. It protected owner from blood-sucking spirits. A newly deciphered magical amulet claims to stop evil spirits who eat flesh and drink blood. I think I want one of those. Yeah. <laughs> About 1,600 years ago, the Mand- Mandians, never heard of Mandians. You sure it wasn't Mandalorians? Nope. <laughs> it wasn't the Mandalorians. Oh, gosh. Okay. Who, who have lived in southern Iraq, in Iran for millennia, wrote the incantation onto a lead amulet in their language, Mandaic. When unfolded, the amulet looks like a long, thin piece of lead. The discovery could shed light on the Mandaean religion, which is complex and blends together several beliefs. Both John the Baptist and Archangel Gabriel are both important figures who practice the religion. I don't know what that means, saying St. Michael the Archangel practiced a religion. I don't think they're... (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it's that old. I don't know. I think it's that the religion had those two people in it, maybe, in that way. I don't know. That's weird, huh? Modern-day Mandaeans often ritually immerse themselves in water as a form of purification, and they follow a pacifist philosophy in which violence cannot be used even in self-defense. According to the deciphered text, the amulet was meant to protect a man named Abia from blood-drinking spirits and a demon. In the name of life, may there be health to the spirit and soul of Abia, the son of Mahua, the translated text says. The amulet calls on Gabriel, who is the angel of the gods, to throw down, bind, strike, kill, and fetter the demon. It also calls on Gabriel to stop spirits who eat flesh and drink blood from hurting Abia. 
from the sons and daughters, may a great voice, healing victory, sealing protection, and sealing be to the body and spirit and soul of Abia, the amulet says. It's not much different than like Catholics get their little medals to protect, <laughs> to right, protect themselves. Except this thing is drinking blood. It's very specific. Yeah. <laughs> My uh, medals, it's for all types of evil. It doesn't have to have a whole written specific. It's just. Oh, well, see, that's the all problem. Types of evil. <laughs> you need specifics. You need to have a whole chain of them hanging off your neck one for blood, one for teeth and nails, one for hair. <laughs> I've got uh, an Ohio cop that encounters a ghost girl. In an odd story out of Ohio, a police officer may have encountered a ghost as he was responding to a report of a seemingly out-of-place little girl wandering around late in the evening. According to a local media report, people living in the city of Mentor have been captivated on social media over the last few weeks as multiple residents have shared home security footage of an anomalous white form that can be seen quickly traveling across the sidewalk. Okay. As one might imagine, speculation in the community has centered around whether or not it was an apparition, and it would seem an appearance by the curious figure ultimately wound up prompting a call to the police. But their investigations only made matters all the more mysterious. A concerned resident phoned the Mentor Police Department back on March 10th, around 11.40 p.m., with a rather weird report. I was surprised by what I saw. Explaining that they noticed a person near an area elementary school who resembled a small girl, but was running rather erect and too quickly for a child. Eerily, when cops arrived on the scene to investigate, one officer actually saw a youngster matching the description provided by the puzzled caller. However, when he exited his patrol car to tend to the tot, the child was gone. Certain of what he had seen, the cop continued looking for the little girl, but she was nowhere to be found. To their credit, the Mentor Police Department took the matter very seriously and enlisted the help of several other officers as well as a canine unit and even a drone to search the area looking for the child, but the exhaustive effort proved futile. Chillingly, when the cop who had originally seen the little girl went back and checked his dash cam video, the youngster did not appear on the footage. The perplexing incident would appear to bolster the belief of some residents that there's a ghost child roaming the streets of the city. However, other people and Mentor are not as convinced, insisting that the apparition is merely the case of mistaken identity or perhaps the work of a prankster. They have all that doorbell footage. How? Yeah. It could be a prankster, but that's... I don't know. There's weirdos everywhere. Like you said, there's all sorts of weird shit going on. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, you know how every generation has... There's every called... generation... <laughs> <laughs> Well, cultures come and go, and, you know, there's differences between a few hundred years ago than there is today, belief systems. So, like, look at modern-day belief systems. The whole diet and exercise trends, like, think of the (laughs) 80s, remember, the speed walkers? Yeah, yeah, man. So this is what I'm thinking is, like, maybe it's a ghost of a speed walker. That's standing erect. suburban mom. But she's a child. It was a child height. Well, you know, I don't know, but I'm just saying. She's a little person speed walker standing very erect. Maybe it was a mom and... And child, a daughter. They were speed walkers together. But then they got separated. Or they got hit by a car and the daughter died and now she's speed walking. (laughs) (laughs) What? Okay. (laughs) These are modern ghosts. We have to, it changes with the times. Modern 80s speed walking (laughs) ghosts. Okay. All right. (laughs) I used to go speed walking with my neighbors. 
Did you have the armbands and the headband on? I might have. I don't remember because remember what the leg warmers yeah, the, were really. Yeah, the flash dance. Yeah. Were they like the bright neon colors? And it's the most ridiculous thing you've ever seen because <laughs> runners look amazing. They're so athletic. You know, even if you don't look athletic and you run, I'm still very impressed because I don't run whatsoever. Right. So I had a neighbor, Bonnie, and she'd be like, ready to go speed walking? And yeah. Did you do the weird little, hip shake when you... Yeah, it was like your elbows are tight to the sides of your body and you just kind of do this fast walk and you look ridiculous. And I used to think, I'm going to get in shape. Man, if I saw a ghost of a speed walker, I'd be freaked out. <laughs> Dark watchers have been spooking California hikers for centuries. What are they? Did you ever hear of dark watchers? I've heard of the watchers, but not dark watchers. Okay. Enormous, shadowy figures in hats and cloaks have haunted the California coast for more than 300 years. Ooh. What are they? For hundreds of years, people have looked up at the hazy peaks of California's Santa Lucia Mountains at sunset and seen tall, cloaked figures staring back. Then within moments, the eerie silhouettes disappear. These twilight apparitions are known as the Dark Watchers. Shady, sometimes 10 foot tall, 3 meters, Men bedecked in sinister hats and capes. They primarily appear in the afternoon, and according to a recent article on SanFranciscoGate.com, it's SFGate.com, visitors to California have seen them perched ominously on the mountaintops for more than 300 years. When the Spanish arrived in the 1700s, they began calling the apparitions, forgive my Spanish, <laughs> Los Vigilantes Oscuros, literally the Dark Watchers. SF Gate managing editor Katie Dowd wrote in the article, and as Anglo-American settlers began staking claims in the region, they too felt the sensation of being watched from the hills. One famous observer who felt the presence of the watchers was the American author John Steinbeck. In his 1938 short story Flight, a character sees a black figure leering down at him from a nearby ridgetop, but he looked quickly away, for it was one of the dark watchers, Steinbeck wrote. No one knew who the Watchers were, nor where they lived, but it was better to ignore them and never to show interest in them. This was a family obsession. Steinbeck's son, Thomas, went on to co-author a book about the Watchers with painter Benjamin Brode. So who or what are Dark Watchers? One theory, according to Dowd, is that they are merely figments of the observer's pattern-seeking minds. In other words, it's a classic case of pareidolia a psychological phenomenon in which an observer's brain finds patterns or significance in a vague or random image. The phenomenon is the reason some people see Muppet faces on the moon or <laughs> the visage of Jesus on burnt toast. I've never heard of uh, Muppet faces on yeah, the moon. the first time I heard that. <laughs> it's Kermie. In this case, ordinary shadows on the Santa Lucia hilltops may be interpreted by the viewer's brain to be tall, cloaked figures. The watchers tend to appear in the late afternoon when long shadows grace the hills after all. So this is an image, I think, I don't know. Oh. It looks natural. But, yeah, it does. But I don't know if that's what people are seeing, because it sounds like that wouldn't scare me if I saw no, that. I, I'd be like, the, oh, that's the looks, sun. Yeah. So I don't know if that's an actual watcher, if that's just like It could like be something, yeah, like a natural phenomena. But it says German locals near the Hartz Mountains have for centuries reported seeing shadowy figures on Broken Peak, Dowd wrote. In reality, the broken specter happens when shadows like those of a hiker are cast on particularly misty mountain peaks if the sun is behind the observer. So there you go. Yeah, There's so another natural. Although there is something about the mountains 
There's something about the mountains. Steph, do you remember the creepy clowns? Yeah. And it was like a craze that swept across the globe. It's like where people were dressing as clowns and like hanging out in weird spots to freak people out. Yeah, well now it's happening as plague doctors. And the plague doctors have cropped up in multiple communities throughout England over the last few days. The strange spate of sightings seemingly began in Scotland earlier this month, where a young man wearing the creepy costume caused something of a stir in several towns until police caught up with him and advised him to stop scaring people. And that particular reign of terror may have come to an end, but it unleashed this wave of plague doctors across the UK. It's right for the times, though, with the COVID. But I don't think I'd want to see an unknown person wearing an all-black clothing, a cape, and a black mask with a large beak similar to a crow coming at me. Why did they wear those back then, do you know? They thought that if they stuffed herbs oh. down into that, that it would kind of create a barrier from them getting the I wonder the what herbs they used. I think it was uh, Montreal steak seasoning. <laughs> McCormick? Of course. It's the best. Remember um, you showed the video or an audio, but it was a video we heard it. You played it on the podcast when it was about, who's the, I don't know, who's a military person or government person talking about UFOs. Yeah. And then something came up again, I think, about it. Another country, another one. Well, did you know in the, the latest stimulus package... That they put out part of that money towards outing yeah. the UFO stuff. Yeah. And I was like, wow. I don't think they're going to follow through on it, but yeah. You wonder where that money actually went. <laughs> right. I know. Just an excuse to put something out there. It's amazing that with the money that they put out there, very little of it went to COVID relief. Ex-UFO Pentagon Program Chief outlines compelling UFO theories and unique vehicle characteristics. The former UFO program chief at the Pentagon, which I didn't know that there was one, his name's Luis Elizondo, detailed the three leading theories on where UFOs originated from and the five defining characteristics of UFOs that break the U.S.'s current understanding of the laws of physics. The Pentagon has presented three potential theories on the origin of UFOs. The first highly unlikely theory purports that UFOs are secret U.S. technology that has flown under the radar due to lack of communication between government agencies. The second theory speculates that UFOs are foreign adversarial technology created without the intelligence of the U.S. government. This would be a huge intelligence failure of the United States because we've been technologically leapfrogged, says Elizondo. Elizondo stopped short of concluding that UFOs could be alien technology when discussing the third and final theory. If it's not ours and it's not another country, well, then it's someone or something else. They know this. <laughs> I, I know. I always feel like this is the last, when we hear these articles about UFOs, it's very watered down. Oh, yeah. Stuff. The thing is, is if the U.S. would just come forward and be the first to drop this, we would remain the world power. Because whatever country comes forward and starts talking about this openly and admitting it, they're in the know, man. 
So we're seeing it bubbling up now, right? We're seeing it coming to a head. We're seeing articles. We're seeing the UFOs blatantly showing up in the background of newscasts. Mm -hmm. I'll end that there. A spooky image circulating online shows an eerie figure lurking over the bed of a child and the youngster's grandmother suspects that it's some kind of sinister entity. The unsettled woman who prefers to remain anonymous, according to her, the weirdness began when she noticed that her two-year-old granddaughter was talking to some unseen person on a fairly frequent basis. These puzzling conversations initially sounded innocent until one night she heard the girl telling the visitor to go away. That worrisome moment inspired the grandmother to set up a baby monitor in the girl's room to see what's going on behind the strangeness. As one might imagine, she was deeply unnerved when she later looked at an image captured by the camera and saw what is unquestionably a figure of some kind lingering near her granddaughter's bed. She insists that there was no one in the home who could have been mistaken for this odd interloper at the time, and the photo was not manipulated in any way. And the woman went on to note that the demonic appearance of the entity, which seems to sport horns and claw-like hands, in addition to this incident, the grandmother claims that there has been a considerable amount of paranormal activity in the home, including cabinets opening on their own and disembodied voices being heard. Now, the family attempted to cleanse the home by burning nettle, salt, and palo santo, but this agitated whatever was in the residence. And although the presence in the residence has left them understandably uneasy, the grandmother believes this is not necessarily evil, but she gets the impression it simply wants their attention. Should that be the case, it most certainly accomplished its goal by the way of its chilling appearance on the baby monitor. And here's the thing. Most of the time when you see these things with these babies on the monitors, it's like a grandparent or uh, a deceased parent or somebody that's leaning over checking on the baby. Get a load of this picture. Oh, great. <laughs> it kind of looks like an old lady. What? That's scary looking. I don't, it's scary, but I mean, I hate to say it, but it kind of reminds me when you go into a nursing home, the way that like an old person stands because they, they're so weak. I don't know. That, that, that is scary though, period. I know. <laughs> if I saw that walking across the room to my baby's or my grandchild's crib, I'd have a heart attack. It's really scary. It's really scary. <laughs> Are you going to put that on? Uh... I'll, I'll put that up for the listeners if you go to our Facebook or our Instagram. Oh, God. So you heard about, in the Suez Canal, the big barge that got stuck? Yeah. Okay. It says, Ramsey's Revenge, Suez Canal Chaos, and two other disasters in Egypt blamed on Pharaoh's curse over a plan to move Ramses II's body. Oh, so this is why, huh? It could be. <laughs> a series of unfortunate incidents in Egypt, including the Suez Canal chaos and a train crash that killed 32, have been pinned on the so-called curse of the pharaohs by superstitious social media users. In the last week, a number of travesties have plagued the country, all since it was announced 22 mummies would be transferred to a new museum, including the remains of King Ramses II. Shortly after news of the transfer, a megaship became stuck in the Suez Canal, blocking the major shipping route in both directions for almost a week. The vital lane finally reopened yesterday, which this article is a few days old, after the Ever Given became grounded in the waterway at a perpendicular angle last Tuesday. Then on Friday, at least 32 were killed and dozens more injured when two passenger trains collided in Tata, central Egypt. Shocking images showed people trapped inside flipped carriages surrounded by twisted metal and debris after one train rammed into the rear of another. 
In a further cruel twist, the following day, an apartment building collapsed in Cairo, leaving 18 dead. Social media users have been quick to pick up on the legend and believe the planned transfer is to blame for the disasters. The curse, which is said to not differentiate between thieves and archaeologists, is claimed to cause bad luck, illness, or death on anyone who disturbs the mummies of ancient Egypt. We've all seen the movie The Mummy. We know how this goes down. You cannot mess with that shit. Leave it be. (laughs) When's the last time you've heard about a chupacabra? Oh, not in a long time. Well, I'm going to say pretty recently, March 22nd, chupacabra. There's fears because 18 sheep were killed in attacks. And a ranch in Mexico has suffered immense and violent losses this winter. Channels are reporting that the mythical chupacabra is behind it. Now, we know the chupacabra is a cryptid of urban legend. Not unlike the Bigfoot, but 18 sheep were killed. And here's the thing, too. The bite marks and wounds on the animals were not consistent with coyotes, lynxes, or even dogs in the area. And there are graphic photos published by the star that show the wounds themselves. I don't like it. But, you know, chupacabras have been sighted all over Central America, the Caribbean, and even as far north as Maine in the U.S. My friend Joe was driving down uh, Grand Ave. You know Grand Ave? In Syracuse? Yeah. Okay. And there was a Marble Farms. Remember Marble Farms? They had good ice cream. Yeah. And well, now it's just like a vegetable stand place. Okay. He goes, I was parked down Marble Farms and he goes out of the woods. He goes like this really scary looking. He's He, he believes it's a coyote <laughs> with no hair. A coyote really mangy. with mange? <laughs> and he's like, I saw a chupacabra behind Marble Farms. <laughs> almost had a coyote a few like two weeks ago are you sure it wasn't a chupacabra it had hair okay it was really shaggy hair it was a werewolf (laughs) (laughs) something invisible is tearing apart the nearest star cluster to earth this is kind of scary now this is science it's not supernatural but i find this stuff fascinating and i think it's kind of in that realm because we don't know what the hell is going on (laughs) out there you know strange things are afoot in the milky way According to a new analysis of Gaia satellite data, the closest star cluster to our solar system is currently being torn apart, disrupted not just by normal processes, but also by the gravitational pull of something massive we can't see. Of course. This disruption, astronomers say, could be the hint that an invisible clump of dark matter is nearby wreaking gravitational havoc on anything within its reach. So we're screwed. We are screwed. (laughs) Unless it's uh, planet X. Well, maybe that ties into what I have next. After the UFO goes by. Massachusetts residents share details of a UFO encounter. This went down, I believe, in 2004. In the narrative, Robert and Anne, they're a couple. And in 2004, he and Anne saw a ball of light in the night sky about 7.10 p.m. He said they saw an apparition through the sliding door leading to the deck of the kitchen. He described a huge ball of brilliance, white light coming down towards the house from the west, slightly above the treetops. As the objects came closer, he said it appeared to grow bigger and stopped above the house, where it appeared absolutely huge, maybe two, maybe three football fields. The white light engulfed everything. Despite the intense light, the glare didn't hurt their eyes, he said, but hovered silently over for a few minutes before a pale blue light emitted from the underside and formed a perfect square on the deck. Robert said the light fully engulfed Anne, who was lifted off the deck. 
prompting Robert to open the sliding door and grab her with one hand, and he grabbed her wrist. He pulled her into the house, and then he shut the door. And when he looked out again, the strange light was gone. During the ordeal, Anne went unconscious. When she came around, she said she remembered seeing the blue light and that Robert described it as a square, but could not remember any detail after that. A short while later, they said they received a phone call from Robert's sister and her husband about five miles to the east, saying that they too saw a ball of white light trailing a blue tail, moving parallel to the ground. Robert said he noticed blisters on his hands just below his middle finger. That's really scary. Well, in Montreal, Canada, there was no storms around, right? Mm-hmm. But yet at 3.30 a.m., there was no storms, no nothing. One of those, like, probably, like, doorbell cameras, whatever, recorded, like, thunder mm-hmm. in the middle of nowhere. Like, nothing. Okay. Right? So, I have so a, this rumbling. Yeah, I have an audio. And it's very intense sounding. Okay. And they have no explanation for it. Okay. What the hell is that? That is not thunder. No, it's... They don't know what it is. And then um, other people had heard it. When did this happen? The article was written March 29th, but I don't know. March 25th. It says there was no storm nor any in proximate areas or perhaps a fireball resonating, blasting in our atmosphere. But otherwise, that's pretty scary that's... noise. <laughs> They're coming to get us, man. <laughs> well, I have a report from March 29th. I think that's the same day that a merman and an aquatic humanoid was reported in the Caspian Sea. And there's been two recent rumors that the government of Iran has launched an investigation after several sightings of the merman by fishermen in the Caspian Sea. There's been recent interest in mermaids, and if there's a possibility in some capacity that these are actually living creatures... After several years, residents of coastal areas around the southern and southwestern Caspian Sea have been reported seeing amphibious creatures resembling a human being. In March 2005, an eyewitness account from the crew, the creature was swimming parallel near the boat for a long time. At the beginning, we thought it was a big fish, but then we spotted hair on the head of the monster and his fins looked pretty strange. The front part of his body was equipped with arms, said the captain. Back in Azerbaijan, nobody took his story seriously. It sounded ridiculous to those who thought that the guy must have been drunk. But shortly after the publication of his interview, the offices of the Iranian paper got flooded with numerous letters from the readers that claimed that the story was yet another piece of evidence proving the existence of the man of the sea. The readers pointed out that many fishermen had repeated seeing that strange creature at the sea and on the shore after the seabed volcanoes in the area had come to life in February, and offshore oil production operations had intensified in the Caspian. His eyes are large and orbicular. His mouth of the creature is fairly large. His upper jaw is prognathic, and his lower lip flows smoothly into the neck. His chin is missing, but here we go. That looks fake. You think so? Yeah. But do you doubt that there's something down in there? I don't know. I've never been into mermaids and stuff. But they've been reported. Yeah, you know, there's from... been documentaries and people are into it. I mean, there is a newscast here that has more video footage. It looks kind of like... Don't doubt the merman stuff. <laughs> you have fears of shark attacks? Imagine the merman coming to get you. <laughs> Statue of Christ allegedly weeps at priest's funeral. He looked like he was alive. A viral video from Jalisco, Mexico 
parish depicts a statue of Christ allegedly weeping at a priest's funeral. Faithful at Our Lady of the Refuge Parish in the city of Guzman, Jalisco, Mexico, witnessed the statue weeping at their pastor's funeral. The church confirmed the priest's death on Facebook. The person who took the video said, I approached the Lord of Miracles, that's the name of the statue, mm -hmm. to ask him to send me the relief of my knee, the woman begins. I turned to see his face so that he could see me, and I see tears flowing from his eyes. I was left with the impression that the miracle that I saw in his eyes, in his heart, that he is with us and is sad because our father, the priest, has left us. But he tells us with his tears that he is with us. So that's her, her interpretation of it. But I guess everyone started freaking out in the church, getting up out of their pews, and then everyone started filming it. And it's become a huge event now down there. But the church remains obviously neutral at this point until they can figure out what's going on. Right. I think we really need to talk about this one. It's been circulated. I think a lot of people have been talking about it, but we need to talk about it. Lil Nas X. Oh, yes. He released Satan's Shoes. <laughs> <laughs> and he has set the internet on fire. Rapper Lil Nas X released a signature Satan-themed sneaker that promptly set the internet on fire. The shoes are black and red with laces that feature an upside-down pentagram. The phrase Luke 10.18 are found along the side, a verse from the Bible that reads, He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. But that's not all. Each shoe contains a single drop of human blood in the sole. It's mixed with red ink, so it sloshes around when you walk. Exactly 666 pairs were produced. Unsurprisingly, the sneakers set off a huge buzz online, selling out within minutes. But they've also generated a firestorm of criticism from high-profile politicians, celebrities, and faith leaders who argue controversy represents a fight for the soul of our very nation. The shoe is only part of the story here. The announcement was cleverly coordinated with the release of Lil Nas X's latest music video, which depicts the young rapper first in a Garden of Eden-type setting before he descends into hell and proceeds to seduce and kill Satan, and assume his throne. It's certainly controversial imagery, but Lil Nas X has gone on to explain why he chose to make the shoes and the music video. In his words, they represent personal statements of defiance against religious voices that have spent decades telling him and many other gay people that they are going to hell because of their sexual orientation. All that said, critics don't seem to care much about the intent behind the imagery. Their position is that evil is evil, and the Satan sneaker represents a threat to children and even to America's soul. The South Dakota Governor Christy Noem weighed in, framing the shoes as part of a much larger battle against dark influences on our children. Many churches caught wind of the release, too, and Pastor Greg Locke of Global Vision Bible Church Mount in Juliet, Tennessee, explained, A bunch of devil-worshipping, wicked, nonsense, pentagram wearing on your tennis shoe 666. You think I'm going to stand for that? You lost your mind. Bunch of Satanism, bunch of wickedness, bunch of devilism, bunch of demonism, bunch of psychotic wickedness. One pastor even made room in his sermon to project a picture of the shoes on the wall and warn his congregation about them. The entire incident is reminiscent of the so-called satanic panic of the 1980s and 90s, where everything from heavy metal music to the role-playing game Dungeons and Dragons was blamed for society's alleged moral decay. However, there's one major difference between now and then. Social media allows these controversies to spread at amazing speed. Perhaps the release of these shoes on Palm Sunday helped to play into the outrage, but by Monday morning, 
It was all the internet could talk about. To recap, supporters of Lil Nas X argue that this is what art is all about. Pushing boundaries and making people re-examine their priors. Critics claim it's dangerous publicity stunt that seeks to drive people, especially children, away from faith. It's worth pointing out that the company behind the shoes released similar Jesus shoes back in 2019, featuring a cross hanging from the tongue and soles filled with holy water straight from the Jordan River. (laughs) Did you know about that stuff? (laughs) Lil Nas X also articulates precisely why he decided to take back the satanic imagery that had for decades been used to scare gay members of the church and use it for his own work. What do you think? Should artists consider the sensibilities of their audiences when making artistic choices or... Is art intended to push boundaries? I'm not going to be an art critic. You know, like, I don't know what it's supposed to be or not. I like beauty. I don't think it's beautiful. But people make things that other people don't like. So I, I don't have a problem with actual shoes that have satanic symbols. There's tons of other things that people wear on their T-shirts and stuff. That's their issue. But I don't know about the blood, right? It's the blood thing. <laughs> Where did the blood come from? Whose Who's... blood is it? And maybe they just put like a tiny speck of it, but still, where did it come from? Where did it come from? And to me, that's like disgusting. And it did say human blood, right? Yes. Even if it was animal blood, it just seems like they're being profane. It's like the people that make crucifixes and stick them in like in a cup of urine and then it's on display in a museum and they call that art. I would disagree with that. I think it's not art, but then again, like... That type of art is in a community of its own, so maybe they can appreciate it for some other reason, but I think it's more to be profane to, like, stir up than actually anything else. Has there been any follow-up to this? Oh, yeah. There was a lawsuit by Nike, and so they had forced-stopped the production of them. So that's all I know so far. I don't know. You know, it's got to go further, I think, to see if there's going to be a bigger lawsuit over that, but obviously it's like taking Nike's brand and then satanifying it (laughs) yeah i think that it's uh because they don't want to ruin their brand you know well they only want the blood of the sweatshop workers in their shoes they don't want (laughs) (laughs) so before we close i do want to wish everyone and very early monday may 3rd happy national paranormal day i didn't know there was a national Paranormal. i had no idea either but i'm prepping us i might say it a few more times before we get there just before may the 4th May the 4th, maybe. May the 3rd, the third, <laughs> not, you don't want that with you. <laughs> yeah, you don't really want the paranormal with you. No. In a negative way. No. Well, folks, I want to thank our listeners. We do have a new country. Is it Croatia? I think so. I can't keep up anymore. I think we're at like 28, 29 countries now. It's amazing. As always, leave us a review on Apple. If you want a t-shirt... Let us put you in the pillion for the drawing. Shoot us an email. We'll put you in the drawing that way, too. And if you haven't yet had the chance to go over and check out Umbrella Holics, it is now up on all the platforms. So you should be able to hear it. It's a bi-weekly podcast. And uh, it's crazy and it's fun and it might make you laugh. It'll keep you company. That's for sure. I hope uh, everyone will take a listen. Yeah. Tell us what you think. All right, guys. Thanks for sticking with us. That's it. All right. See you next Friday. (laughs) Bye. To the spirit podcast. Supernatural science. I'm ghost. Psychic. Mystic. Spirit. Divine source. Heaven. The dead. It's magic.